Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from Cloud Foundry Summit as the official podcast of Cloud Foundry Summit here in Santa Clara, California. Uh, want to talk a little bit uh, with Cornelia Davis this morning. Cornelia is Director of Cloud Foundry Platform Engineering at Pivotal. How are you doing, Cornelia? I'm doing well, thank you very much. And, and we were talking a bit before we kind of hit record and... You're on the road a lot. I am. I spend probably <laughs> in 80 to 90% of my time on the road at the moment. And, and so tell everyone a little bit about what you do, because you've got a pretty cool job. Yeah, I have a very, very cool job. So I work in the pl- Cloud Foundry platform or, uh, product team. So I work in the product team. Platform engineering is a small group of engineers. We're all propeller heads. We all cut code, mostly on the developer side, a little bit of operations experience as well. Um, but we spend, we're field facing, um, not in any, any formal pre-sales or post-sales capacity. We're really just there to, to help customers navigate this journey. Um, platform as a service is an emerging, emerging technology space and, uh, customers really need to understand it deeply. And so we do that. We go deep with them, um, and, and get to engage and it's, it's a super fun thing to be able to, to help them take this brand new space and figure out how it makes sense for them. Yeah. How do so for for a lot of folks who you know say work in the enterprise because a lot of the the target this week is sort of talking about enterprises adopting things and um, you know some of them are used to buying packaged software. Um, Cloud Foundry is a little bit unique because obviously it's a it's an open source project and or you know sort of foundation of a lot of projects and then uh, Pivotal commercializes it. What's the thought process from the engineer you know from sort of the product team to say? When do we make a pivotal uh, build or version of this? What, what do we include? Um, h- how do you think through that process so that you're you know, taking customer feedback, looking at what the community is doing? How do you think through all that? Yeah, I mean, so, so first of all, what motivates not, so, not only the, the commercial offering, but the, uh, the open source um, offering as well, and a lot of that development's done within Pivotal. Um, together with a, a broader community, but a lot of the, the kind of the core of that is in, in San Francisco as well, is um, is really helping enterprises become agile software companies. Uh, I'm sure everybody, all your uh, listeners have probably heard the term around software is eating the world, and that's very, very true. Um, and large enterprises are having a hard time competing with the smaller startups because they have a lot of legacy. And right. as you just said, they have a lot of legacy. And so what we're doing in building the platform is building out a platform that is there to help them compete with the startups. The startups are all, they've all have these new ways, these new agile ways. And in fact, they've built their own platforms to be able to build software so that they can bring it to market faster. But even more importantly than bringing it to market faster is bringing it to market more frequently. So that's really what motivates what we put in Cloud Foundry, even the open source, is helping companies become software-driven businesses. Now, when it comes to the commercial offering, we, of course... It's a fairly traditional business model. Um, it is. We are very, very dedicated to an open core. So the open core is that's all open source. But then when it comes to additional things on top of that, um, there's certainly, of course, the traditional um, support supported sure. license thing. We also create releases. So at Pivotal, we create releases and, and we uh, distribute them about every two months. Okay. 
those are major point releases, but we're actually delivering on um, on lower level point releases on the order of every couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so we're able to very quickly respond when a customer comes along and says, hey, I've got this additional feature, I need to be able to expose this other thing, we can get them a point release within two or three weeks, which okay. is very, very different from traditional oh, yeah. enterprise no, software. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different yeah. than Patch Tuesday, because it's not yeah. so much just that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, now uh, as part of uh, your travels, you, you speak a lot as well. You spoke at DevOps Days. You, you actually spoke at the EMC Code event at, yep. before EMC World last week. Tell us real quickly, too, like, what are some of the key points you tend to hit with the customers and what resonates the most with audiences right now? Yeah, certainly, uh, probably the biggest thing is the combination of cultural transformation um, and agile development processes together with platform. I think that together with the tool set, and I'm a tools person, so I want to throw tools into every solution, but the reality is that they want to as I said, enterprises want to compete with the startups. And in order to do that, they need to have both of those things. So those are the really the themes. It's all around faster feedback, feedback loops, continuous integration, uh, automating everything, tests, um, being able to deliver more frequently, as we talked about just a moment ago. Those are all, all the themes that really resonate significantly with customers. Yeah. Do, do you find... Um because, you know, as much as folks want to talk about DevOps and sort of these collaborative teams, I mean, there's still a way to go for, for a lot of companies. Do you find on the ops side of things, there's any cultural collaborative sort of good steps that they tend to follow for the, the ones that are being successful? I mean, the, the, the devs hear all the time about the tools and sort of how to push code faster and build code faster. The, the ops team's not always so much. It's always just, yeah, you're going to be part of it, but it, it's going to come faster and they're... But, but, like, they haven't lived in that world. Do you find anything really resonates with them or, or low-hanging fruit to get them moving forward? Yeah, probably. The, the I had a, a great moment. I did a session here at CF Summit yesterday around operations. And one of the most fun moments in, uh, in my talk was when I said, uh, I, when I made the point that we, at when we run our, our hosted offering, which is Pivotal Web Services, that when we do deploys there, we do them intentionally during the week, during regular business hours. There's a lot of really great benefits of that. You've got the development team sitting right across the, 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 the table. It's not even a hallway, <clears throat> right across the table from you so you can get their support if something does go wrong. And that you're not doing deploys at 2 in the morning or on the weekends. And that was a moment where the operations teams, and it was an operations talk, so it was yep. mostly operations teams in the room, where they thought, Wow. Okay, that's a different world. That's <laughs> Absolutely, a very different world. It's not a weekend job. It's we can we can do rolling deploys, and we don't have to wait for off hours. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is going back ten plus years. But I worked in IBM Global Services way back when, and it would be okay. New version. It would be like maybe the quarterly release, or even the half year release, and it'd be like okay. Everyone, no vacation this weekend. Everyone's working all weekend and lots of pizza in the conference room and, yep. and, and you know, try and get the latest version out the door and it would take most of the weekend. Yep. And so, yeah, that's just, it's refreshing yeah. <laughs> without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Like you know, and one of the other themes, and back to the question that you had around what resonates, another theme that really resonates with folks is this notion that, um, that 
you can separate separate out the operational responsibilities into two, two different categories if you have the right processes and the right tools in place. So if we take Cloud Foundry, for example, you can break out operations into the people who are providing the platform and operating the platform. And they're doing things like providing sufficient capacity for your applications to run. They are also... Um, providing the right set of services or the right runtimes that are the standard runtimes and the standard services for the organization. And then the application team, and I'm emphasizing that it's the application team, they're responsible for leveraging that platform to deploy applications, to write and deploy applications that are there for the business value. Well, that application team consists of developers as well as operators as well. Okay. And that's been one of my experiences. So I did this stint earlier this year where I spent a month on the cloud ops team that runs our run.pivotal.io. And um, fortunately for me, it's not a traditional ops experience where I wasn't spending a lot of time <laughs> deep down in the weeds sure. and, all, and you know spending weekends. I didn't have to spend a weekend doing a deployment or anything like that. Um, but as a, as a career developer, I've been doing development for about 25 years. I'm never going to understand all the nitty-gritty nuances around setting up firewall rules and networks right. and things like that. And so one of our aims in getting enterprises to be able to be more agile in their development, their application development and delivery, is cr- creating that separation so that you can have a set of operators, and it might in fact be the developers who are the operators now because they're not burdened with all those low-level details. Yep that they, they really don't know about and they shouldn't have to know about to be able to build, build business applications. Yeah. And, and to another point, too, I wanted to make sure to bring up because it was mentioned in one of your slides that I've seen is that this idea, and I think it's really resonated with me that this week, of you want to deploy more for just multiple reasons. Yes, part of it is go fast, but it is almost you know muscle memory of the more you do it, the better you get at it. And also the less risk you will actually have. If you do it a lot, then it's not scary. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, do it a lot. Do it in small pieces. You're not breaking nearly as much or changing as much. Exactly. A deployment at Cloud Foundry is very low ceremony. Right. There's not a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that solves a big problem. Yep, I mean, that, that solves a major challenge of enterprises without a doubt. Now, kind of shift gears for a second. Um... You mentioned once upon a time that that containers isn't enough. And we get that question a lot from our listeners. A lot of our listeners are just kind of starting to wrap their head around all of this and are always looking to learn more. And so compare and contrast a little bit what you mean by that. Um, You know, why do you need, say, a platform or, you know, what are the the additional pieces that containers just don't provide today? Because I don't think everyone fully understands that. Yeah, you know, there's quite a bit. And and to just kind of give you a little bit of a backdrop, in Cloud Foundry, we've been doing containers for years. We've been doing containers for longer than Cloud, the Mm. company that created Docker, has even been in existence. And we weren't out talking about containers. We were talking about the whole platform and all of the the benefits that that it brings. The containers are just an implementation detail, if you will. Um, that's changed a little bit with Docker, and I'll talk about why. But some of the things that you need beyond containers, for example, are you can you can build up your container and you can run your container, but what what happens if something goes wrong in that container? What happens if that container crashes? Well, having a system that is watching those containers and restarting them 
if something goes wrong. And it's, in fact, not really restarting them. It's creating a new instance of that container and getting it to join back into the system. Yep. That's something that Platform provides. Another thing that um, I talk to companies these days, everybody's talking about Docker, and they say, well, Docker, one of the big problems that it solves is, well, it gets rid of the, well, it runs on my machine, right? Yeah. Sure. So that's one of the, the the big problems in operations today is that the developers get it all running on their system. They hand it over the wall to operations, and then they can't get it running. And operations says, your, your stuff sucks. I can't get it running. <laughs> and the developer says, I don't know what your problem is. It runs on my machine. Right, right. So that's been one of the big selling points around containers. And so I talk to enterprises all the time, and they say, oh, well, that's a brilliant thing. We're going to allow our, you know, we're going to have our developers do that, and it's going to make, it's going to ease our operational burden. And I usually say at that point, okay, so you're going to allow your developers to build up these containers that are going to be then opaque, and you're going to run that on your production systems. And they go, well, (laughs) no, actually not. So that's another one of those things that I talk about. What I mean when I say containers alone aren't enough is that you need to have processes in place to be able to ensure the security of what's running in the container and and some of those other illities. And so a platform can provide that. A platform can provide those standardized runtimes so that it's not the developer who's just off building something that's going to run in prod, that we can build build things in a kind of enterprise-blessed way. Yeah. So those are just a couple of examples okay. of what we mean by that. Do you think, um, and this is sort of a, a future-looking question, but you're on the engineering side, maybe this is something we should ask James at some point, but um, it, there was a talk yesterday that was kind of talking about you know, what containers do that's, that's good and bad and what platforms do that's good and bad and you know, kind of going, you know, do we need a bridge? Do, do you think we'll ever see a time when you, know, you take that scenario where the developer goes like, I can kind of build up through container layers, whatever format it is, what I want on my laptop. Um, today, you would you'd write some code, you'd sort of push it to Cloud Foundry, the build packs would figure things out. Do, do you think we'll ever see a time when somebody can essentially just push a container? Um, because the container may have a language that's not necessarily known, but still just wants to run? Or I mean, is that something you hear from people? Or is that Am I combining too many scenarios that maybe don't make any sense? No, no, no. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. And in fact, you can today push a Docker container onto run.pivotal.io. Okay. That is possible to do. And so what we've really made the point of recently is that the container format, and when I say push a Docker image, it's really just an image format. Mm -hmm. It's not the container itself. Okay. Um, What you need is you need a runtime that's going to interpret that image format. Well... You can do that on run.pivotal.io today. So we will interpret the Docker image format and we'll run it in a Linux container. Another image format is what Cloud Foundry calls a droplet, which is after you've taken your app bits and you've applied the build pack and you get what you're now going to run. Right. Um, And that's just another option. But then .NET workloads might be another option. And so there's a, a lot of... There, there's n- n- there's no reason to think that there's only a single image format yeah. that makes sense. It makes perfect sense to bring a Docker image, deploy it onto a platform, and yeah, maybe you don't get the build pack support that way. Right. Although there are some projects out there that are looking to apply build packs and and produce Docker images. Okay. 
um, that, that there's an open source project from Cloud Credo that does that okay. cal- called Cloud um, Cloud Rocker. Yep, I was uh, in a session yesterday on that. Yeah, exactly. So so that exists. So the image format is really something that there's there's flexibility on that. Nice. Yeah, good good. good. Well, I think we're uh, kind of out of time for for today. So Cornelia, where can everyone kind of follow you see the you know the slides the presentations find out more about what you got going on yeah so i i use the same twitter handle and and slide share handle it's c davis afc um it 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 stands for allergy free cook so it's an (laughs) afc my son my son has had food allergies his whole life so i i've turned into a bit of a cook and so it's c davis afc you can find me on slide share you can find me on twitter there awesome um, all right, so thank you everyone for listening once again, and uh, again uh, apologize for any kind of wind, trees, Plane, uh, trains, trains planes. I mean, we re- literally have everything here, but it's still more quiet than being inside. Believe it or not, um, we'll try and clean it up as best we can. But everyone, certainly, thanks for putting up with us, and thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.